0: Welcome to the Beyond the Mat Podcast. That's an in-depth talk show discussing exclusively WWE topics. My name's Rick Boogs, and I came to rock with the Beyond the Mat Podcast. That is beyond the M-A-T-T podcast. Podcast! Podcast! Yes! here beyond the mat on June 5th, 2022 to review the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view by WWE tonight. Seven match card. We saw Bianca Belair retain her WWE Raw Women's Championship. We saw Theory retain his US title. We saw Bobby Lashley win by putting MVP in the Hurt Lock. He did not put MVP's ass in the hurt lock as he said that he wanted to repeatedly he said i will put your ass in the hurt lock he didn't get his ass but he did get him in the hurt lock got him to tap saw a valiant effort by cody rhodes in the main event with an obvious serious injury that looks like it's going to put him out for up to six months with a torn pectoral muscle it was black and blue all over that side he was grimacing in pain this is definitely not a work in my opinion And, you know, it just adds to his comeback story. When he eventually comes back, I can see him maybe winning at the Royal Rumble. We also saw Madcap Moss get some revenge on Happy Corbin and injured his neck in the same fashion that he injured Madcap, which created Madcap's character change. Maybe there's a character change coming up for Happy Corbin. One of the surprises of the night, in my opinion, a lot of people thought Ezekiel was going to go over tonight, but KO ended up hitting a stunner and putting Ezekiel away. And we also saw Judgment Day stand tall against the Babyface crew of AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan. We did not see an additional member of Judgment Day appear tonight, as a lot of us thought we might see, but... I still think we're going to see one pretty soon. That match was interesting. The baby faces spots were all high spots and signature spots. And, you know, I really, one of the reasons I don't like mixed tags is because they can do stuff just like they did to finish that match. Where they have a female stand in front of a male who's about to finish it, causes a distraction, and then their team ends up winning just because of that. Even though... The face team had the heel team beat right there but i guess that's why it's a mixed tag match it has the rules like that so get right into it we start out with the raw women's championship triple threat match oscar becky and belair you know this the story of this match was basically becky was doing everything she could to win this match we had a lot of points where one of the women was Outside of the ring while the other two were working. In fact, it started out with Becky getting thrown out of the ring Pretty early Asuka line, Belair Becky then pulled Asuka at ringside knocked her down Belair grabbed Asuka as she was trying to hit a flying armbar and pulled her up into Powerbomb position threw her into the turnbuckle. That was pretty nice Becky attacked both of them in the corner, though, after that. She hit a nice-looking blockbuster on Belair. Becky and Belair now were in the ring in control. Buzz Lynch at this time. Bianca fight, fights off of Becky there. Becky dodges a charge by Belair, and she takes out Asuka, who just came up onto the apron, so Asuka was ringside at that point. Nice-looking spot here. Becky's on the top rope. Nails a leg drop on Bianca. While Bianca was hanging on the second rope, goes for a tilt to whirl arm bar and hits a back exploder. Baseball slides to Asuka. So Becky's in control a lot of this match. You know, she went for a lot of different pin attempts and Asuka broke them up. And that was one of the big things that sort of foreshadows the feud between Asuka and Becky after this match is now over. You know, the finish of this match saw Becky hit the manhandle slam on Asuka, and then Belair come into the ring, get rid of Becky, and steal the pin when Becky had it won. And this is a finish to a triple threat uh, title match that I saw over and over again when Becky was the champion at live events. Some, uh, K- a KOD will be hit by Bianca Belair, On onto drop or Liv Morgan or whoever was in the ring. And then uh, Becky Lynch would roll in there, get rid of Belair, steal the pin, retain her title. It's a very heel move by Belair, but they're trying to add some edge to her character as she gets ready for her feud with Rhea Ripley. And she's gonna need an edge in that feud. I also think that we are going to see a heel turn eventually from Bianca Belair. It only makes sense She is a very lovable character and very endeared by the fans, but she's also a very cocky character. And I just think that she'll work better. You know, she does everything so right and so good all the time that I think it's okay for her to steal the pin in this match, especially when there was continuous points where she was in peril and almost lost, but Asuka ended up coming up and breaking up the pin. So I don't have a problem with the finish, you know, given the context of everything that was going on in the match. You know, you had Asuka lock in the Asuka lock twice. Bianca was trying to power out of different things. She had a nice looking delayed suplex at one point on Becky where she did her little marching things. But at the end of the day, the hip attacks by Asuka and everything that Becky was able to do Made the match absolutely entertaining because we saw all three of these women really show all their skills, but it wasn't enough to overcome Bianca Belair. She was able to escape from ringside and get rid of Becky Lynch after she manhandled slammed Asuka. Asuka takes the pin here and we move on with our champion Bianca Belair. And it looks like we're going to get a feud with Becky, and Asuka as originally planned, like I mentioned earlier. And then for Bianca Belair, she's most likely going to move on to Rhea Ripley because we've been seeing that at house shows and dark matches recently. So it all makes sense for Bianca Belair to go over here. The way she went over, some people will say is heelish, but I think it was necessary in the match. You know, It's a triple threat match. You have to find a way for somebody to defeat everybody. How is she going to come in there? What's she going to do? KOD? every, Every time she went for the KOD, she couldn't get it. That was part of what the story was. She was going for the KOD multiple times. She couldn't get it. She couldn't do the things that she wanted to do. She went for 450 splash and ended up missing. And it ended up being the other women that ended up actually winning the match for her. So... That is very heelish, and it does kind of make her come off as weak. But she made moves in the match that were strong. And overall, I like the way they presented all three women in this match. It does give Becky a claim to want to continue to feud with Belair. But I think Asuka is who she's going to be feuding with, and Belair is going to move on to Ripley. I'll tell you one thing about Asuka, though. like In this match, some of her offense looked very nice. And then she does these German suplexes, very low angle, that I just don't think are very impressive. And, you know, I I know that's her style and everything like that. Her striking ability was great in this match. And, you know, the three different styles of the women really worked together. Lynch is just a master in the ring with whoever they put her with. She really carried this match a lot more than she may be given credit for. And, you know, she... Made this thing really work and gel between all three women, and I think made Oscar gel better with Belair, and really to me was like the soul that really brought together the different musical notes being played by each of the competitors in this match. And at the end of the day, Belair goes over, but Becky Lynch to me was definitely a shining star in this match and came out looking really good despite the loss moving on our second match was mvp and omos taking on bobby lashley backstage we had cedric alexander bothering mvp asking him to join the hurt business or to continue the hurt business whatever you want to call and mvp said you know what there is no more Hurt business get away. Omos says, stay away from me. So then we get into the match and the finish sees Cedric Alexander come into the ring and interfere. We have Omos try to choke slam him out of the ring. This distracts him while Bobby Lashley spears him to the floor, out to the ringside area, locks on the hurt lock to MVP. MVP taps out and Bobby Lashley walks away looking strong, winning this match, defeating two guys. Hopefully, this feud is over. I don't think that we're going to see Cedric Alexander with Lashley after this, given the fact that Cedric Alexander was shown backstage later, and Lashley said, no, I don't want to be with you. Don't have anything to do with any of my matches ever again. So I think that answers that question. But this match had some nice spots. You know, We saw Bobby Lashley try the snap suplex on omos but omos was able to suplex him i think that was the first suplex i ever seen omos do he hit the snake eyes and then a couple stinger splashes so omos is doing a little bit more in the ring than he had before bobby had to use his speed here to really make omos look a little bit better you know he's doing all the work in these matches with omos he's the one taking most of the bumps he's the one get dishing out a lot of the stuff while omos no sells and using his speed to make things look a lot more entertaining. MVP in this match, you know, did some ground and pound and things like that, but nothing too impressive. He got reversed when he went for a Famouser attempt. And, you know, I just didn't think that MVP was all that impressive in this match, but his purpose was to take the pin, in this case, the submission, so that Bobby Lashley could look strong and basically prove, yeah, you might want Omos because he's a bigger guy, but you picked the wrong guy because I just put your ass in the hurt lock. And Like I said, he didn't put his ass in the hurt lock. He put his arms and his neck and head in the hurt lock, but he put him in the hurt lock, and he tapped out. So he demonstrated to MVP that he picked the wrong guy. And so, hopefully, we'll move on now from this, and Bobby Lashley can move on to something else, especially since we may have lost one of the top baby faces on Raw for a while. And we need Bobby Lashley to continue to grow in that respect. So, you know, the match really showed a little bit more of Omos's abilities, and it put Bobby Lashley over as somebody who can overcome those odds. And it got MVP's feet wet again. I don't know what we're going to do with that. And the other thing that it accomplished on the side was that Cedric Alexander, regardless of who he's affiliated with, is going to go in and mess around with somebody who rejects him. And I don't know where they're going with him next, but I did like his involvement in this match. I actually thought that he might and be involved on behalf of MVP and omos but they made it clear they didn't want that before the match so he came in and ruined it for them and at the end of the day does that make bobby look weak no he still overcame two guys he still speared omos out of the ring and he still made mvp tap with the hurt lock so i thought all of it was well done well work match by everybody and you know hopefully that everybody can move on to Other storylines, and we can build up Lashley as a legitimate title contender now. Moving on from that, we had KO and Ezekiel. This match originally was slated as the number two match of the night, but they swapped it with Omos and Lashley. So we had KO and Ezekiel go third. And a lot of people thought, you know, Ezekiel's got to win this match to sort of supplant him as a babyface, as a credible person. And, you know, KO winning this match doesn't do anything for him. He can take a loss. But, you know, I was talking about this with my buddy Chris, and we both just came to the conclusion KO's got to win this match. He's going to win this match. And sure enough, he did. Now, he looked very smooth in the ring. You know, when KO hits those sentons and then hits the moonsault, you know, that honestly should end the match. That was a beautiful sequence by him. I love it when he does that in his matches. That got two. he went for a moonsault another point in the match and Zeke got his knees up. Zeke did do some decent work in this match, and it went longer than I thought it would. Zeke really did some stuff that I didn't think that he could do, just as far as some of his reversals and hitting the stinger splashes like he did. But ultimately, Kevin Owens hit two super kicks, nailed his cannonball, and Zeke ran right into the stunner. Kevin was going for the stunner multiple times throughout the match. It was real fun. Every near fall, you know, Kevin's saying that was three. That was three. Just like a true heel. And he's yelling, calling him Elias the whole time, you know, yelling at the crowd, saying this is Elias, not Ezekiel. You know, KO was really funny throughout the match with the way that he was, you know, verbally salting Ezekiel, you know, calling him a liar and all this stuff. He ends up winning with the stunner after getting blocked two times on it, hits it for the third time off of that cannonball superkick sequence and we move on with ko defeating ezekiel now what is next for ezekiel is he gonna feud with chad gable now and continue this sinuation that elias is a different person are we gonna see elias now come out and say hey i'm here to defend my brother that you just beat up maybe they'll have alpha academy and ko beat the crap out of Ezekiel, and he will get written off TV for a little bit, grow a beard back, return as Elias, and say he's here on behalf of his brother that you sent away to the hospital or whatever. I don't know. But I don't think it makes any sense to continue having Kevin Owens feud with Ezekiel. As enjoyable as Kevin Owens has been, Kevin Owens needs to move on to somebody else now, especially since we have Cody Rhodes out, you know, I thought maybe Cody Rhodes would move on to Kevin Owens, but there's other baby faces he can feud with, including Lashley and things like that. In fact, I think Lashley and Owens would be a great thing for the both of them and be two credible opponents facing each other and two guys who, you know, are very high up on the card and both, need that kind of push and not do this kind of comedy stuff chad gable is much more suited at this point to be doing stuff with ezekiel we've seen him already with otis working against ezekiel a lot he's been the worker basically for owens in this feud doing the matches and stuff like that rather than owens fighting every week against ezekiel and I just think that if we have Alpha Academy against him, that'd be fine because then he'd have Otis and Gable that can feud with him. They continue to question who he actually is and Gable's the one who administered the lie detector test and has all the evidence and is the smartest guy with the 4.0 GPA and the high IQ and everything else that he touts. It makes sense to me for Gable to be the next one for Ezekiel and for KO. I think he needs to move on to somebody formidable like Lashley or something like that. But that's a stretch. You know, who knows? There's a lot of different things they like to use KO for. He's very intelligent and good behind the mic. And he needs to be in a feud where his opponent needs him to carry the promos, which honestly would be a feud with Bobby Lashley. Now, he would kill Bobby Lashley on the mic, but they would have a hell of a feud, and I think that that's something that they should do. I don't think he should go be in a tag team with Seth Rollins again or anything like that. I don't think he should work in a comedy skit with Ezekiel. I think he ended that tonight with his stunner, and he needs to move on to something better, especially considering that he had a main event match with Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania and then moved on to this. This was a nice... uh, Gift to the WWE by Kevin Owens to, you know, facilitate this feud with Ezekiel. But at the end of the day, he's too important of a guy to be tied up in this comedy stuff when you have people like Chad Gable available. So moving on next to our fourth match of the night. The Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley, Edge, and Damian Priest entering with some purple trimmed attire to their new Alter Bridge song. I like their intro song. They enter the ring. Then we have Liv Morgan, Styles, and Priest in there. It starts out with Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, but quickly escalates to a fist fight between everybody. The faces stand tall at first, and then we get Ripley and Morgan in the ring. Starts out real nice with an assisted Hurricane Rana. By AJ Styles and Liv Morgan. We end up getting Liv Morgan working Rhea into the corner. Hits a back elbow and a backsplash. But then Rhea Ripley takes control of her at that point. Eventually we get Rhea tagging in Priest. who That brings in AJ Styles for a brief moment. He works over Priest. Gets the better of him. It's a Pele kick and then he tags in Balor. We have Balor now in the ring. Priest ends up getting control of him, isolates him in the heel corner. They work over Finn Balor for a little while. Priest eventually hits a backbreaker on Balor as he was going for a hot tag to prevent this. They continue to work on Finn Balor until he gets the hot tag to AJ Styles. AJ Styles comes in. He comes flying in, takes out Edge, hits a modified powerbomb on Priest. Then starts working on Edge even more. AJ eventually is on the apron, nails Priest with his knee, then hits a phenomenal forearm on Edge, goes for a cover, but Priest makes a save. Ripley and Liv now are back in the ring here. And we get a Hurricane Rana blocked by Ripley, but then rolled up for a two count by Liv. Ray then powers up Liv. For a huge power bomb, but only gets two out of it. Sets up for the riptide. Liv gets out of it. Tags in Balor, faces. Then gets some more ground and pound on the heels. Send the heels out to the ringside area, and all three of them hit flying cross bodies on individual members of Judgment Day. We then get a spot where Ripley crotches Balor after he rolled Edge into the ring. This prevented him from being able to hit the coup de grace. Then we get Priest, you now a four on an AJ, and hit a South of Heaven choke slam on Balor. So now the heels are looking like they're in control. Balor fights back. He sets up for a coup de grace again, but Ripley stands in the way of it. Liv jumps on her back, but it took a little bit too much time. Edge then gets out of the way for the coup de grace. You have a stumbling Balor now. This is after AJ was thrown into the turnbuckle and sent ringside. And Edge hits his spear for the one, two, three, and Judgment Day stands tall. This was a good match, I thought, given the fact that it was a six person mixed gender match. We had a lot of high spots, a lot of fun spots by the baby faces. But overall, I think the right team won. Judgment Day isn't over completely with the entire fan base as they need to be and they need to win to get over you know i know a lot of people that like edge as a heel i do too and a lot of people that think that this judgment day stuff is cool and that's fine i just think that the cheap heat and the long promos and the lack of a sort of direction is something that's hurting it and something that's making a lot of fans bored when they're in arenas and a lot of you know trusted podcasters i listen to Tend to agree with that. A lot of fans that I know that are friends of mine like Judgment Day. Others don't. I'm in the middle on them and I just think that they needed the win here. The FACE team was a good team, but I don't think they're a team that needs to win to establish anything. I don't see them as a permanent team where Judgment Day is building something. They're trying to get more members, trying to get over here. And, you know, it's an important faction for Rhea Ripley regardless of what I think of it. And it's important for priest as well. And I think that them winning this match makes complete sense. Doesn't make any sense for Balor and AJ and live to win this match when they're not an established faction. They're just the default baby faces feuding with the faction right now. I mean, if you think about it too, you know, Balor and AJ right now as baby faces. Like, they're baby faces cuz we all like them and they do baby face move sets but they really aren't like true baby faces in a sense of how they cut their promos and other things that they do they're just de facto baby faces because they're feuding with heels and because people like them and because their move sets are very fun to watch and you know i wonder who and when of them is going to turn on the other and maybe you know a lot of people were thinking balor may join judgment day tonight you know we didn't see that happen we didn't see anybody join judgment day and i think that was too too much of an obvious thing to call wwe didn't want to do it but we're going to see somebody new pretty soon i still say t-bar but that didn't happen tonight moving on from that we had Cat moss and happy corbin in the no holds barred matchup this match was a hot one between the two of them. They worked their way up the aisle right away. Mac cop got, got smashed into the big screen at the top of the entranceway, right in front of the gorilla position. We then saw a lot of different acts by uh, Corbin here, beating the hell out of Moss across the announce table, hitting him with a chair, where he's getting asshole chants from the crowd. Every time he opens up the apron, these people... In Chicago wanted tables. We want tables. Chance all match long. We want tables. We want tables. Corbin played this great by just teasing the crowd. He was going to get a table and then grabbing a chair and saying, no, nope, I'm using the chair. You know, he set up a chair in the turnbuckle at one point and Madcap reversed it, threw him into the turnbuckle. The match ended when we saw Madcap Moss hit his signature punchline on happy corbin after he threw him into the ring steps that were propped into the corner he then took the chair and put it around corbin's neck much like he did to madcap a couple weeks ago at smackdown the one that i attended up in scranton that sent madcap away and had him return as the madcap we now know and then he took the ring steps and slammed him on to Corbin's neck, which presumably should injure him, considering that it was the ring steps and not a trophy this time, but we didn't see him get hauled away in an ambulance or anything like that. But if it was a way to write Corbin off and to change his character, I'm all for that, and I'm all for the way that they presented Mad Cat Moss here. They presented him as somebody with more of an edge, much more serious character. He kicked out of some serious stuff. He ran into a deep six in this match. He got hit by a chair, several times and kicked out of that you know this was really a match where we saw a much more serious vicious side of madcap moss and the crowd was behind him they were they were really against corbin as they always are calling him an asshole he did the heel thing very well and did the job just fine putting over madcap moss now what's next for him i'm not sure i don't think that he should continue to be feuding with corbin i know that I think maybe once we see Gunther take the IC title from Ricochet on SmackDown, maybe Madcap Moss is a good guy to be feuding in that picture on television. And, you know, I definitely don't think he's somebody who needs to be partnering up with anybody for a tag team anytime soon. I think that he should remain in singles and that he should feud with Gunther after Ricochet is beaten by Gunther on SmackDown this week or next week or whenever it is that Ricochet drops that title, it's gonna happen soon, it's, it's gonna happen to Gunther, and I think Madcap Moss is the type of guy who has the look, and he has the charisma, and he has the in-ring ability that we saw tonight. No, he's not perfect, but he was pretty good, and he's got the speed, and people seem to like him, and you know, he still does the the loud woohoo stuff, but I really think that he does a good job and i'm interested to see where he's going from here and having him in the ic title picture is something i see in his future and i think would be really beneficial for him now our next match of the night was united states title match between theory and ali and it was a good match that we will get to in a minute but we are going to take a short break i wanted to remind you guys before we do that follow me on twitter at beyond matt wwe also send us an email if you'd like to have a question read on the air matt at beyond and of course we are on patreon ad free for one dollar a month that's as low as we can make it and if you join before the end of july we will give you all the benefits of the top tiers and that includes discord early releases and watch longs videos inside information merchandise the ability to come on the show and priority on all your fan questions we will be reading them on the air when you send them to us so go ahead over to patreon join if you can if not you leave us a five star rating or review on your favorite podcast platform that helps us as well and absolutely subscribe to get all of our content. I will be back right after this. The Beyond the Mad Podcast. We'll be right back. even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to the Beyond the Mat Podcast. All right. So like I said, we had Ali and Theory in our next match and we had big Ali chance throughout the match. Fans really wanted to see Ali. He was in his hometown and he showed himself well in this match. He did a very good job. You know, there were certain times where it looked like he may win, but you know, at the end of the day, I didn't think there was any way they were going to put Ali over in this match unless it was just for him to drop the title on Raw tomorrow or next week or something like that. Here he ended up putting them away with the ATL after several attempts at it. We saw some really nice moves by Mustafa Ali in this one. Early on in the match, Theory was doing everything he could to get out of the ring. At first, Mustafa Ali arm-dragged him out of the ring, but then every time Ali went for an attack on him, Theory would bail out of the ring. But at the ringside area, we ended up seeing Ali hit a nice flying crossbody on Theory right after he tried to evade him at to the ringside area. Hit a baseball slide in the crossbody. That was a nice spot there. Theory gets back in control inside the ring here. He kicks Ali off the top rope. Knocks him to the ringside area. Throws him back in. Hits a fallaway slam. Only gets two. Locks in a chin lock on Ali. Ali starts fighting out of it. Chants are pouring in Ali, Ali, Ali. Ali actually rolls him up for two here. Theory then lands a nice kick. It's a big clothesline. Ali is sent to the apron, but then comes in and rolls in. Hits a really nice reverse neckbreaker. Theory fights out of a superplex attempt here, but eats a super kick to the face by Ali. And that also dropped Ali. It didn't look like he got his leg fully extended where really, really had a good base under him. That might have hurt his knee a little bit, but the match continued there. And uh, as we continue... We had a really, really, really nice-looking Spanish fly modified by Theory. We had Ali on the top rope trying to finish Theory off. Theory jumps up there, springboards in one motion, and just snaps back with the modified Spanish fly on Ali. Beautiful-looking spot. I, I thought it was great. That only got two. Went for the ATL, got reversed, and then that got turned into a Tornado DDT by Ali. Ali then got in control. He got on the top rope. Theory tries to pull him down and put him in the ATL but he blocks that and puts Theory in the STF mid-ring. Theory has nowhere to go. He's in the middle of the ring. Looks like he might be able to win does Ali here via submission but Theory makes the ropes. Theory then manages to hang Ali on the ropes. Ali hits a knee Beautiful tilt to world DDT from the top rope. Theory then rolls out, he baits Ali into a chop block, gets him back in the ring, and finally hits the ATL for the one two, three victory. Great showing by both men here. Good title defense by theory. Great heel work by him, you know being that heel that shows ass and wants to get the hell out of the way when a baby face is is coming at him, attacking him. Ali had some really nice moves. Theory really put himself over with stuff like that Spanish fly. And, you know, it was all about him trying to hit that ATL to finish it. Ali being crafty enough to get out of it. But at the end of the day, Theory was able to take advantage and win this one. Now, where we go from here, we got Theory, you know, needs to continue defending that U.S. title belt and be proud of it as long as he has it because that's what he's got, and it's, you know, the only title other than Bianca's title being defended on Raw at all. So, you know, we need him to continue to do that. Whether or not it's going to be with Ali, I don't know. I don't think it should be. I think Ali got his shot here. He could get a rematch or something like that, but this really showed us that Ali can put on a great match, you know, at the premium live events. That's, you know, where we really can judge people, whether they can have a great match or not. Uh, we saw it with Ezekiel and KO. Was it a fantastic match? No, but Ezekiel definitely held his own, and it was worthy of the show, I think. And, you know, at the end of the day, I thought that Ali was more than worthy of his slot on this show. Moving forward, you know, he had the stuff with Champa, did Ali, and pretty much anybody would want to pick a fight with Theory now as the heel US champion, That he's been, you know, we could see him run it back with basically anybody like Balor or AJ Styles that they really wanted to, even though they're still feuding with Judgment Day. If that continues, although I said earlier, I think it should end. And there's plenty of other guys. You got guys like Montez Ford or Angelo Dawkins. You know, they could definitely be guys that go after the U.S. title right now. They need to be elevated in the singles area, you know. I've never been a huge Angelo Dawkins fan. I've always thought he looked like a guy that got lost at basketball practice. But lately I've really been seeing his personality and that he's actually underappreciated. You know, it's almost like when you think of the artist outcast, they got big boy, they got Andre 3000 and big boy always sort of got overshadowed by Andre 3000. And big boy was an outstanding rapper on his own right. So, in this case, it's almost like Montez Ford is Andre 3000 and big boy is Angelo Dawkins. He can work. He can do some funny stuff, entertaining stuff. In there with Miz the other night, giving him a high five when he's trying to do the hands up, you know, your mouth goes shut. So I think that for theory, we got baby face opponents he can face. You know, guys like Riddle are going after the big titles, but guys like Montez Ford... And Angela Dawkins and other baby faces, such as, you know, if we're just thinking of people that theory can elevate in these feuds, like Ali got elevated, you know, you have people just like Dominic Mysterio and you have people like Ezekiel, even though he just lost. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that they can do here. You can even see Bobby Roode going after this because he has been presented as a baby face lately at house shows in his glorious characters and they may be turning him babyface and he could be somebody who could elevate the US title itself by feuding with Austin Theory here. So I think either way, you know, we have baby face opponents lined up for Austin Theory and Mustafa Lee has heel opponents lined up like Champa Even Kevin Owens could be somebody who he feuds with now to elevate him if that's something that they want to do with Kevin Owens, if it's not going to be Owens and Lashley, which would be a big feud to sort of do without a title involved. And there's not really a reason for Owens and Lashley to be involved with one another. I just would like to see it because I like the two of them. And I'd like to see the way that the mic work is done. But regardless, they're going to move on to doing something and we'll see, you know, what happens here. I don't know that it's completely over between Ali and Theory, but it quite frankly should be because we should see more people getting a shot or an opportunity at the US title. And Theory holding the US title should be defending it against more people to to plant himself as the champion and to make that title feel relevant and important, especially since it's only the second title on Raw behind the women's title. Moving on from that, we got our next match. This match was our main event. We had Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes inside the Hell in a Cell. We found out earlier today that Cody Rhodes was injured, weightlifting tore his pectoral. I honestly thought this might have been work, you know something that they could use to put over Cody Moore as a baby face, that guy that just grits his teeth and gets through it no matter what. He comes out with nearly half his left side of his body bruised and purple, it looked horrible. You could just feel the air come out of the building when he took his jacket off and everybody saw that. And the reason why I don't think it was a work is because regardless if, if it looked sort of a little bit made up or something like that, it really, you can't replicate the facial expressions that Cody Rhodes was, with, the grimacing every time he tried to extend his arms, even at the end when he was celebrating, the faces he was making were ones of, Jesus, I'm in a lot of pain and I need to stop what I'm doing right now. So, you know, he is a warrior to get through this match. We may not have him back in action for up to six months here if it is a torn pectoral and he needs surgery. But for him to go out and, and do this main event match, given the fact that he nearly could, you know, very shorten his career, he could end his career, quite frankly, And he put on a hell of a match with Seth Rollins. They had to get creative here. You could tell that they stalled a lot in between spots. You know, when Seth would go get a weapon such as a sledgehammer, he took a little bit of extra time. Seth got tables multiple times. We had Cody Rhodes turn this into a strap match for a second, taking advantage of Seth a little bit. That was pretty fun. We had Cody Rhodes getting slammed all over the place on his shoulder. Kendo stick by Seth Rollins to Cody Rhodes to just add insult to injury, poke it into his pectoral. It was an absolute brutal fight between these two guys. You know, we it's just, watching this was almost hard for me to watch. And I don't know where Cody's going to go from this. We ended up seeing him hit the crossroads, kick out. We had near falls all over the place. Seth was basically dressed like a bumblebee wearing all black with big yellow polka dots, all to mock Cody Rhodes and his father. At one point in the match, he went and grabbed a bag and pulled out a weight belt that was black with yellow polka dots on it as well, and he was beating the hell out of Cody with that. You know, this match started out hot, though. Cody went right for a disaster kick, right for a Cody cutter, and it looked like he was in pain so much just delivering those two moves to start it out. The match ended up going, a lot of people thought this match would go short because of the injury. I said, no, this is going to go long because they're going to find ways to be creative here and keep the match going. Cody's not just going to mail this one in and they're going to have to spend a lot of time down selling, making sure that Cody can make it from spot to spot. And that's what we saw. You know, We saw... A lot of big spots and then we saw a lot of double downs with both guys. We saw big moves hit by Cody Rhodes. And then it would take him for you know, would seem like forever to, you know, gather himself. He couldn't even make a cover. And, you know, the finish made sense. This match was really, really well worked. You know, we had Cody Rhodes get whipped into the corner, does the flare flip with one arm to support himself. And then Seth Rollins knocks him off the apron into the cell wall. He got thrown into the cell wall several times, did Cody. But he ended up fighting back against Seth there. Gained the upper hand. We had a point in the match where we were going for pedigrees. We had Seth going for it. He got reversed and took a pedigree from Cody Rhodes himself and got a near fall out of that. We then had a frog splash attempt off the top rope by Seth Rollins to Cody Rhodes after Seth Rollins hit him with the rolling knockout punch and Cody Rhodes got laid out over the table, but he missed the frogs. It was a beautiful looking frog splash too, but Cody was able to get off of that table just in time. The fans were chanting. Thank you, Rollins. Thank you, Rollins, for bringing the tables out because they were ch- They must really love tables in Chicago because they wanted them the whole Madcap Moss match and they wanted them during this match. They got two tables in this match. And the other thing that was happening during the match was they were singing along with Seth's theme song while the match was going. But when Cody started to make his baby face comeback, the Cody chance started. Cody, Cody, Cody. You know the chance that Seth says he hates. But either way, we had near fall after near fall. We had a crossroads near fall. We had a curb stomp near fall. This was an outstanding match. They got the strap involved. Cody did his work with the strap. You know they, they the way that they improvised in this was absolutely brilliant and they still worked a brutal match between the two of them not only did cody reverse a pedigree attempt by rollins but rollins reversed a crossroads by cody rhodes hit a crossroads but cody rhodes hit the crossroads himself then cody rhodes for the finish went for the crossroads three amigos style where he hangs on but let go after The second one went for the sledgehammer, nailed Seth Rollins square in the dome with it, and got the one, two, three. So this was an absolutely barn burner of a match considering what we were getting. You know, we didn't know if we were going to get a 10-minute match where they just needed to protect Rhodes and get out of there. Maybe they changed the finish, have Seth win because of it, but no, they had... Cody Rhodes pushed through his injury and when this match commentary was putting it over the whole time, how gutsy he was. And, you know, that's the reason why you would think maybe it's a work just to make him seem like more of a gutsy competitor that will do anything to win no matter what, because he is, you know, destined to be champion and an injury is not going to stop him. But this was a legit injury. And he went out there and put on an excellent match, even though, you know, we needed longer selling and they need to get creative and things like that, you know, power bomb through the table, things like the big spots in this match. And I just thought that, you know, both guys deserve a lot of credit for making something work and making something great in the main event, given the fact that one of them was severely injured. You know, you, you could, he was favoring his arm the entire time. It was really, really brutal to watch. And, you know, I like the way that Seth used the kendo stick and used other maneuvers to sort of uh, work on that injury and, you know, add insult to it. And that was a good part of the story told here, too. But at the end of the day, we had Cody going over for the third time against Rollins, and we may have Cody away for a while injured, which isn't necessarily a bad thing maybe it's a good thing for him maybe he doesn't need to be always on the main event of raw or always having you know this huge feature every time maybe we get a break from him and he gets surgery and he makes a triumphant comeback at the royal rumble or something wins the royal rumble just like, you know, Triple H won it coming back. You know, it's a classic story of the guy coming back from the injury, winning the Rumble, getting his shot at the main event at WrestleMania. Doesn't necessarily have to be against Roman Reigns if Roman's still the, any kind of champion at that time because he might not be the double champion at that time. And like we all think, Roman Reigns is probably facing The Rock next year at WrestleMania. But we could see Cody Rhodes win the Royal Rumble and challenge whoever is holding the other title that Reigns doesn't have or if Reigns isn't the champion then problem solved there but I really think that at the end of the day if this is a legit injury for Cody Rhodes that he can overcome it and come back and be just as big a baby face as he was but they're going to in the meantime going to need people like Lashley and whoever else they consider a babyface on Raw to step up and be part of a bigger program. Rollins is going to have to get involved with somebody else. Maybe it's Lashley. I don't know what they do. To be honest with you, the best thing for both shows, for WWE as a whole, would be to get one of those belts off of Roman Reigns as soon as possible so it gives the top-tier guys something to fight for. I'm all about storyline. I don't need titles as props for storylines, but at the end of the day, they don't have that great of storylines for the top tier guys to get involved with. You got Lashley messing around with the Nigerian giant, Omos. He can, Omos can mess around with Apollo Crews and Akira Tozawa. That's who he should be fighting with. MVP doesn't belong in the ring. He belongs behind a mic. Lashley, should be fighting somebody who's formidable and is on their way to a title, whether it's Kevin Owens, whether it's Seth Rollins, whether it's fucking Drew McIntyre, I don't care. They need to do something that makes things interesting with their top guys rather than having their top guys always in tag teams with guys they're trying to elevate or always doing comedy things and stuff like that. People will elevate themselves, showing their own in-ring ability, working with one another. And that's something that they're going to have to do in the women's division as well. And a lot of people, you know, had a problem with Natalia winning that six-pack challenge on SmackDown. And I'll tell you why I don't have a problem with it. Natalia is a seasoned veteran. She's somebody that can take an L from Rousey. She's a heel that people are going to boo. They need Rousey to be facing somebody who's a certain heel and that you know can work a style match that'll put Rousey over. That'll be something that fans will actually wanna see. And if Rousey can put on a good match, she'll get a little more over with the fans. We know that we don't like her act behind the mic. That's fine. We know we don't like her attitude. That's fine. But if she's gonna be a fighting champion, then fighting people that are formidable makes the most sense. We've already seen her in a match with Raquel Rodriguez, and Raquel Rodriguez showed herself well. But we know that they're not going to make Raquel Rodriguez the champion right now. So it makes no sense to put Rodriguez in a long-term feud with Ronda Rousey just to have her lose when we've already presented her as strong she was presented as strong in the six-pack challenge now she needs to build up a little bit maybe turn heel and then challenge ronda rousey if she's still the champion but you can't have raquel win the six-pack challenge now have face versus face for the title i know they've done it before with heel versus heel but face versus face really doesn't make any sense it's like two baby faces fighting to me, it's like, okay, why would they fight? Why wouldn't they just talk it out? Because they're baby faces. Two heels makes a little more sense. Now, the other reason why Natalia makes sense is everything I said about her, but also her attachment to Shayna Baszler being her tag team partner. Shayna Baszler is definitely the bigger feud that they're building towards for Ronda Rousey And we might see that at SummerSlam or something like that. We saw a tease of them square off in that tag team match, but we never got to see them make contact. WWE likes to do this. They like to tease two different people that we know we want to see feud, but not have them make contact. If you have somebody like Shotzi, Aaliyah, or whoever else was in that match, Ziya Lee, win, all they're going to do is be an opponent for Rousey who isn't really believable to beat her. And whether or not it elevates them or not, like it did Rodriguez in that one match, a long-term feud doesn't make any sense with any of those ladies. They need to work together against each other and build each other up and show their in-ring abilities. We've seen Raquel almost beat Rousey. So now Raquel can fight against Shotzi, can fight against uh Xia Li, whoever else. I don't know if Xylee's a healer or a face or whatever, but it doesn't even matter. Now Raquel is strong and can help build those ladies. And those ladies need to be built up before they're in a title feud. It's one thing to have a one-off title match where the champion, you know, gives you a match where the underdog makes a run for the title and gives the champion a run for the money but the champion ends up coming out with it. So it elevates them much like they did with Raquel a couple of weeks ago. But putting Raquel in a long-term feud doesn't make any sense right now, given the fact we've already seen her not able to win yet. She needs more development and she's more formidable than any of the other ladies. So having Shotzi, Aaliyah, Xia as somebody who would, be a championship contender for any kind of feud other than a one-off match doesn't make any sense now I know Aaliyah got locked in the locker room wasn't even the match but I'm just mentioning her as a member of the roster we also know that Lacey Evans is going to be on Smackdown now after getting flip-flopped from Smackdown to Raw back to Smackdown and that they're most likely going to go with her heel character but I'll believe whatever Lacey Evans is going to do when I see it, because I've heard so many different plans for her. And I don't think they even know what they want to do. We've been told that she's going to be making her in-ring debut and that never happened. So we'll see what happens with her. And then of course we have returning Charlotte Flair and Bailey sometime this summer. And I think that that's going to be more of a money in the bank thing. You know, you got Flair, Bailey, Baszler, Shotzi, Raquel, that's four, you need two more, maybe throw Zia in there, even Aaliyah, I don't really care, but you got six people you can put into your Money in the Bank match, and somebody can win that match and come out and face Ronda Rousey after that. I don't see any problem with Natalya doing it. I understand that her best days are behind her, but she is a seasoned vet and a gamekeeper, and it makes sense. She's a heel. She's just like a Dolph Ziggler or Miz or somebody like that. You know, she's the female version of those guys. That's why she's been somebody who's gone down to NXT to help along what's going on down there. So that's what I had to say about the women's SmackDown title picture because, you know, got to talk about smackdown a little bit because this hell in a cell pay-per-view was 100% raw stuff up until friday night when we got the madcap moss and happy corbin match which like i said i felt was worked very well got a different side of madcap it was a little bit iffy on whether or not madcap would win this one maybe the fact that it was no holds barred would give corbin the ability to win but what it did was it gave madcap moss the ability to return the favor to Corbin for breaking his neck or doing whatever he did to knock sense into him to bury his old character. Um, at the end of the day, though, the big story tonight was the fact that Cody Rhodes got injured, weightlifting earlier today or yesterday or whenever it was, and he tore his pectoral muscle, maybe out three to six months if he needs surgery for this. We saw the gigantic, gruesome bruise he had on that side, you know, the one thing I, I didn't understand was there wasn't really much swelling and I would think that it'd be very swollen, but he could have been on whatever kind of medication they gave him to take care of that an anti-inflammatory certainly would be one of those medications, you know, so I'm not going to speculate that the injury was a work until it comes out that it was, I think it's a shoot injury and without him, you know, a lot of people are going to have to step up. They're not going to have the Cody clock anymore. You know, Riddle's going to have to be the number one baby face on Raw now. And, you know, that's fine because they're pushing for him to face uh, Roman Reigns. So it gives, you know, other guys more time. You know, the ladies will get more time if if Cody's not there. Lashley might get in a more important feud now. I don't know what you'd do with Rollins now, but he shouldn't be continuing the feud with Cody Rhodes anyway. If there were plans for Judgment Day to confront Cody Rhodes, I guess that's not going to happen. They're going to have to find something new too. So There's a lot of different trickle-down effects this has, but at the end of the day, as long as Cody Rhodes can come back and make a full recovery, I think they can turn it into a good story. I think a great story was told in the ring here tonight. You never know really what's going to happen, but on these premium live events, to me, WWE always delivers, even when it's a match that looks like it's going to be boring or it has participants that I'm not interested in. They do a hell of a job. You know That's why they work on these things at house shows so much. That's why we see all these different things. And that's why, for me, somebody that goes to a lot of live events, and follows things so much. You know, sometimes these things are easy to predict. I knew that it was going to be a finish, the Belair match, where you had somebody else basically take care of business and Belair sneak in and sneak the pin. That's the way they like to do those triple threat matches. And it, you know, it gives them, gives somebody an out. It gives Becky Lynch an out to say, hey, I actually had that thing won, but now. You come in and steal my pin, so maybe Becky has a beef about that. Like I say, I think that Becky's going to have her feud with Asuka. Maybe Becky broaches the subject of having a rematch with Bianca. Maybe it even happens on TV, and then Asuka interferes with it and ruins Becky's chance, and then we get off to the races with Becky and Asuka. But I definitely don't see Becky and Asuka to continue to be in the title picture especially considering that wasn't the original plan. We know the original plan was going to be Naomi and Belair tonight and Belair going over and Asuka and Becky were going to be feuding. Now that they've taken care of the triple threat match, Belair can move on to Rhea Ripley and we can have Asuka and Becky feud, which would be outstanding because they're so good in the ring. They showed it tonight. You know, they did outshine Belair in the ring. Although, Belair did some nice, impressive things. At the end of the day, though, to me, the most surprising match of the night was the Ali and Theory match. That match didn't look that great on paper, but Ali looked outstanding in it, just doing his baby face moves that he does. And Theory modified Spanish fly that he snapped off the top rope was just beautiful. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. You know recently very innovative and just very athletic back theory there i really like the way that he works in the ring and i really like his heel tactics you know he's not the same theory that he was a little you know a few months ago where it was just all fun and games taking selfies he still does the selfie thing but he's serious about it he's got more of an edge now and i like that kevin owens and ezekiel ko really showed off his smooth in ring skills like i said the on straight into the second rope moonsault so smooth he just glides right through that ended it with the cannonball and the stunner and i like the way they teased the stunner a couple times and ezekiel was able to block it but eventually he couldn't at the end of the day though we had seven matches tonight and we were putting up the beyond the mat pay-per-view prediction title and we ended up with Kyle picking six matches correctly, and Chris and myself picking all seven correctly for a tie. And we have to go to a tiebreaker. So, our tiebreaker was the match time bell to bell for the main event. And my guess was 19 minutes 37 seconds. Well, Chris had guessed 24 minutes and 36 seconds. The match ended up going about 24 minutes. I got a remeasure the bell to bell but it looks like we are going to have a new champion here and it's going to be Chris but I have to consult with the rest of the podcast members because we're not entirely sure if we're going price's right rules with the bell to bell time and you either got to be very close without going over and if you're over the amount of time then you lose or if you just had to be the closest one to it and the other part of it is that we haven't even totally figured out what the bell to bell time was i'm pretty sure it was 24 minutes and around 18 seconds or something like that so chris would be the closest one there now to me i was pissed off because if Cody Rhodes wasn't injured, that match probably would have went around 19 minutes, but they had to do so many different things to sort of stall time, make sure Cody was okay, sell, things like that. That made the match a little bit longer than I think it normally would have been. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It was an outstanding pay-per-view. Kyle did a good job picking his matches. Six out of sevens outstanding. You know... It made total sense to think that Ezekiel may win this. But at the end of the day, Chris and I had the revelation that KO might win. And we ended up both picking KO and both going seven for seven. So at the end of the day, we may have a new champion. I will announce that on the Raw Review tomorrow. And that's about all I have for you guys tonight. I just wanted to get out a quick review of the pay-per-view. And I'll see you guys for the Raw Review. Any news that comes out on Cody Rhodes or anything else, I will do an extra episode for you guys. And I will have news on Twitter and Patreon for you as well. Remember to subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at BeyondMattWWE. We are on Patreon. Lowest tier is $1. goes up to $10 if you want to be that generous. But if you join the $1 tier, like I say, we will give you the benefits of all the tiers. If you join before August before the end of July, July 31st, that includes merchandise and Discord server and early access ad free, which is probably the best part of it, not having to hear all the stupid ads during these podcasts. And you'll also be able to get all of our watch long videos that we're about to be posting i got a lot of them ready in the archives just got to get ready to upload them got the time for that coming up soon so i'm excited to put that out for you guys but other than that i will catch you all tomorrow for the raw review and any extra that i put out there remember to send us an email so we can discuss it on our what really matters show that chris and i do it's Matt at BeyondThemat.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter, like I say, at BeyondMattWWE, and I will respond to any question there as well, or post a question on the Patreon. We'll answer it from there as well. So until next time, guys. I think I'm going to go to the nearest nudie bar and, and have a drink. Subscribe so you don't miss a show.